Hey everyone, welcome to Broadcast is Love. This is Ricky Stewart just jumping on in front of the interview with Sarah Sandal. She's an author, a writer. You guys are going to love her. I love writers because they're just good thinkers. And isn't it great to have wonderful thoughts? I mean, let's focus on the good stuff. And before this interview, I wanted to share two things with you. One, I wanted to talk about life by the Spirit that's in Galatians 5, and it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit in verse 22 and 23. And just to encourage you with this today, wherever you're going, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So I just want to encourage you that God is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he's giving you all those things that you hold in your heart, in your soul, And I love it. It's just part of following him. We get all this good stuff. Also, today we are kicking off Advent. Advent did start on November 29th, just a couple days ago. But the book that um, our friend Sarah Sandal released starts on December 1st, which is today if you've subscribed and you're listening the day the podcast is released. Now, December 1st was Advent last year. That's when it kicked off. And so we're kicking it off today with her download, a free download that you can get by just going to her Instagram. It's S-T Sandal, and it's S-A-N-D-E-L. And just go to her link in bio, and you'll see the free download to click. And you can get that on your smartphone, or you can get it on your computer, whatever is convenient for you. But every day for Advent, moving forward from now till Christmas, there is a devotional to read, something that she has written up, prayed over, something that she has been seeking God's word through and writing, and then going to people who are trusted voices in her life that are leading her to Jesus, pointing her to Jesus, keeping her focus on Jesus, just vetting through her writing to make sure that it is focused on God's word, that it is nothing else, that it is no distractions. Can I get an amen? I mean, don't we all need that in our lives? But this is what she has done with this book that she has written, and it's a free download. So I also want to share with you this before we start, just what Advent is, because before this interview with Sarah Sandal, to be honest, I didn't really understand. Now, after the interview, I do. Um, I have looked up more information on it. So before this interview, I didn't really understand what Advent means, and I'm sure if you guys are Christians and you've been Christians for a long time, you've heard of the word Advent, but there's this definition in this little devotional I got for a Christmas present a few years ago. It's from Mercy House Global and their definition's great. So I want to share it with you because it clearly defines to me, Advent keeps it simple. You know what I'm saying? Let's keep it simple. Advent is the Latin word for arrival. We choose to count down the arrival of Jesus every Christmas season so we can prepare our hearts for the Savior of the world. To dive in deeper, to go in deep into understanding what is God saying to us in this Advent season. I hope you enjoy this interview with my good friend Sarah Sandal. She comes to us from Sebring, Florida, and she's been a dear friend of mine for a long time. So here we go. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Broadcast His Love. This is a podcast where we talk about what life looks like when we decrease our name and increase God's name, because it is all about Jesus. And when we are living the good life, we are living it with Jesus as our number one priority. And right now we have Sarah Sandal on. She's one of my friends since, uh, I guess, a long time ago, probably more than 10 years. Yeah. Maybe 15 years. Okay. Sarah, how are you today? I'm good today. It's been a normal-ish Friday, so that's always, it's always nice when things are sort of following a rhythm. Yes. Oh, I, lo- I love that word rhythm because I just want my rhythm to be jazz music all day long and <laughs> into the evening and the morning. But um, yes, so you are a writer and we have you on for an awesome purpose because of Advent. And you released a book last year called Advent 
and you can download it. It's from 2019. It's an Advent reading guide. And man, like the title below, it says, A Thrill of Hope, The Weary World Rejoices. You guys, this girl <laughs> is rock star with her words. I can't even, like, this is going to be awesome. So tell us about this book that you've written. Well, you've written it, and it's a free download. So tell us mm -hmm. about the book written and how we can get it. Yeah. So last year, um, I was really engaged with the idea of Advent. I had grown up um, with Advent, even though my family didn't attend liturgical churches when I was a kid. Um, my parents were really good about fostering a love of tradition. And so they started recognizing Advent in our home when I was a child. And generically speaking, Advent is this, um, this idea of the the weeks leading up to Christmas where we do focus our heart and mind on the coming of Christ and the way we celebrate that. And so I had wanted for some time to put together a devotional guide or reading guide, like something that would help my own heart focus in on the purpose for the season. And so last year when I started writing, I also reached out to various friends, like other writers and ministry partners and um, women who I knew would have a strong voice of hope um, and words that would sort of work in tandem with mine, mm. uh, with this idea of calling a weary world to rejoice because yes. God chose to dwell with us. Mm. And so I, I put this together, not on my own, but with a lot of help um, from other women writers. And then I had um, a team of pastors review it to make sure that we weren't heretical in any way. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I thought, that's I don't so want to say anything that is not true to the best of my knowledge. And so... Um, yeah, we put the book together last year. It's a free download on my website. You can print it off, which is what I did, um, and just had it bound so that I could hold it in my hands because I wanted to focus. And I knew that if I read it as a PDF on my phone or my tablet, I would want to be distracted by other things. Right. On the That's phone what or happened. the tablet. It's so literally what it. happened to me last year. I downloaded this and I would be reading it on my cell phone. And then all of a sudden, bang, an alert. Ugh. Okay. Yes. So yes. I'm going to print it this year. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have like several copies um, that I set aside because I knew I wanted to hold it in my hands. So yeah, that's about the, I mean, that's a response to about the book. Um, it's 25 days of reading. It's very um, succinct. There's not a lot of look this up, read this, respond to this. I wanted it to be something that invited readers to consider the reality of our only hope in yes. Jesus Christ. And there at the end of each day's reading, there's options for continued reflection. It's usually um, a set of passages to look up um, and consider from that point. There's also a rest day built into every week so that if you miss a day or several days, like it, you won't end up feeling like I'm so far behind. I'll never catch up. Um, there's short readings and then there's a day of rest built in so that you can, um, be still with God in those times. I love it. I love the photography on it too. I see Jay Whitehead's work in the background. I love that. She, um, yep. She loaned me stuff. Another photographer, Caroline Maxi photography. Yes. Um, and then everybody's favorite, um, unsplash. <laughs> definitely relied on them for some stock photos too. Okay. I'm like, what is Unsplash? Is this something I need to know about? Is oh, this like a nice service? It's wonderful. You, you probably do. Yeah. It's free stock photography that really helped um, like lend this beautiful continuity to the imagery in the book. Oh, I love it. Okay. I, I always love interested in that, but you might. I know. Well, they might, I don't know. This is great, but I always love little tidbits and advice to like help my job be easier. So, um, that's great. Well, an advent to me, um, we've talked a little bit about this before the podcast, but it's such a big word. And when people say it, it's like to me, and it's not what it is. It's just what it is to me. I'm like, Oh, this is really churchy and it's really big and I don't understand it. And I just want to love Jesus. And I want him to love me. And we just love other people. But like, what is this Advent season? I mean, it's a season that we're walking into. So tell right. us what it is and why we should celebrate Advent. So for Christ followers who did not grow up in a particularly liturgical tradition, which would be more like um, 
Episcopal or Anglican churches, Catholic churches that hold to the church calendar. Okay. Advent is an, un, like that is an unfamiliar season, like may have heard the word, um, but not have a connection with what that means in the celebration of the church calendar. And I did not grow up in liturgical churches. So it was, it was new to me as okay. well. But rather than just um, slapping the word Christmas over the month of December, Advent actually um, is stretches over the whole season and past Christmas to Epiphany, which is another part of the church calendar um, that really focuses on expectation and serves to um, sort of help us build up this anticipation of celebrating Christ's birth leading up to Christmas. I did a lot of research last year when, when we were writing and the word Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming. And so we're, we're really just honing in on the coming of Christ, the reality that God, the father saw our need and put on skin and sent his son his only begotten son. And so we are building up that anticipation to honor the coming of Christ. And so um, in some churches and in homes, uh, people will recognize this tradition with um, an Advent wreath and candles. That's a very traditional way to acknowledge it. So in my home growing up, my parents began to do this. And there's an evergreen wreath, the evergreen, of course, symbolizing the unfailing and never ending love of Christ. The wreath is because it has no end. And then there are yes. four candles around the outside of the wreath and each candle represents a different aspect of the character of God. So his hope, his peace, his love, and his joy. And then in the center, there's a white candle called the Christ candle. And that candle is traditionally lit on Christmas Eve. Mm. So each Sunday leading up to Christmas, we would light a singular candle um, and we would focus our hearts on one of those characteristics. And so oh. in this Advent guide, um, I don't know if there's a traditional order to those characteristics, but in the Advent guide that I wrote, we focus on hope, then joy, then peace, and then love. Mm. And so in my own home, each Sunday leading up to Christmas, we light a single candle on Sunday and we'll talk about the hope of Messiah and how we can pray with hope and rest in yes. the hope that he has come and he is coming again. And then on each subsequent Sunday, we light an additional candle to, to talk about and celebrate the joy that is ours because of Christ and the peace that of our, is ours because the Prince of Peace reigns. And then finally, the love, the, the advent, the coming of perfect love and why that love matters for who we are in our own homes. And um, it matters for how we relate to Christ and how we mm. express his love to other people. Mm, that is so good. And what a beautiful tradition to do in your home with your family. That's so tangible and life giving like yeah. your children. I'm sure you remember as a kid, your family lighting those candles. Yeah. Like what sweet memories. I, do. I have those memories and those are things I want to cultivate in my home for my kids. We don't have an actual wreath um, right now. I haven't found one that I love. So I just okay. have four candlesticks with four purple candles. Okay. Um, and then one big fat white one in the center. Yeah. And so it's sort of in the shape of a circle. Um, and it's never, I mean, my kids are eight and three, so we're not doing like some very serious and sober sermon associated right. with Advent. We're saying, remember Jesus, Jesus is our hope. And we're lighting this candle to remind ourselves that we always have hope because yes. Christ came and he is coming again. And, and then we go about our meal, you know, with small children, it can be a little more um, difficult to keep their attention for a long time. Our, um, in our neighborhood last year, we invited multiple families to come celebrate Advent with us and we shared a meal. And then with like 12 children running around my tiny living room, my husband would light the candle and we would do like a little focused devotional. And it, and it was a hot mess. It was kids running. It was kids shouting. It was one kid trying to touch the candle. And, but this is an opportunity to introduce children to these traditions um, that, that can enrich their childhood and their memories of Christmas. And that that's important to me too. Oh, it's so important. It's like, if you want your kids to do one thing, it's love Jesus. It's like, please love Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And this is like a tangible way to reach their hearts, you know, and in the process, it's reaching us as well. It's like, yes. what's good for you, son is, or daughter is good for me too. Like that's, yeah. oh yes, we can take it with us. So I do have a question. I have the document open Mm -hmm. And the first scripture that I see, it's like on the fourth page, I think, or 
maybe it's the fifth. I don't know. But it says uh, it's Isaiah 9, 2. And it says the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in a dark land, a light will shine on them. What does that mean to you? And why is it towards the beginning? Yeah, the um, the prophet Isaiah is one of the most called upon prophets to um, affirm the validity of the coming Messiah and who he was. Isaiah spoke to the people of Israel hundreds of years before the Christ was born. And so he is often quoted around Christmas and Advent because he he spoke directly to the hope that these people had, that the Israelites had, that their Messiah and their Redeemer was coming. Um, and it's it's poignant for me because we do walk in a land of great darkness. And the hope that I have is not that I will somehow um, facilitate my own light and burn bright enough to make any difference. But my hope is that the the light who once came will continue to shine through yes. me. And that the people who walk in darkness even now will see a gray light because of my submission to the Redeemer who came thousands of years ago. Um, and so I wanted to start with that because I remember that he came once as the great light and so many people missed it. And I don't, I don't want to miss any opportunity I have to be an expression of that light to people who live in a dark land because I, I benefit in spirit and body from the great light. I benefit from Christ's love to me, his hope um, that I have an anchor in. I benefit from this perfect love and this peace um, that those are a light to me. And I want to be part of shining that light to people who do walk in darkness. Oh my goodness. Wow. If you're in the car right now and you just heard what you just said, Sarah, oh, those who live in a dark land, a light will shine on them. When you said that you don't want to miss it, so many people miss it when Jesus came. Yeah. I don't want to miss this moment right now. Is that, is that not a great encouragement to look at your life and just be like, I want to be used as a vessel for God's kingdom. Like what a great thing. And your like fire and passion for Jesus in your writing, it just flows. Like it's literally like when you're reading this, the Holy Spirit is doing a work in you and mm -hmm. I like in me. And I know that he's doing a work in you too. You know, like I'm re I know who you are. So I feel like I'm reading it in your voice. <laughs> um, but I can tell like he's doing a work in you at the same time when you're writing it. And just where did God take you from beginning to end of writing this Advent book? When I initially started, I, I laid out sort of my hope before the Lord. Like I, I have always written. That's how I've expressed myself from journals as a kid to um, prayers that I wrote out as an adult. And over the last five to 10 years, there have been years where sometimes I think I can't write fast enough. Like these are the things that the Lord is teaching me and I, I need to get them out to express them and even to wrestle with them or process them more. And so a little over a year ago, it was probably August or September when I thought I'm, I'm going to write about Advent. And that feels a little overwhelming because I don't have infinite knowledge of this subject. Um, and I've, I've been coming out of a season of feeling like I myself have been walking in darkness, a season of feeling like I have been asking the Lord to show himself to me and he's been silent. And so after several years of thinking, Lord, am, am I walking in this dark night of the soul? Am I, am I hearing you? Are you present for me? He began to show me I don't know. He began to show me himself in different small ways. And some of that was through how I was meeting him in the scriptures mm -hmm. and this sudden desire to look forward to the coming of Christ. Um, and so I sat down in August or September and kind of wrote out um, an outline of where I thought it would go. And as many things do, like how I thought it would go is not how it went, but in really, in really good ways. Um, some of my dearest friends were excellent sounding boards and I got to wrestle very honestly with the Lord about what I believe about his life in me and how that affects change and how that affects the people that I live with. Like, what do I really believe about the life of Emmanuel? Um, it, not just 
what I would say on paper, like not just my Sunday school answer, right, Ricky? Like right. Sunday school answer is Jesus loves me and he is always with me. Right. Um, but my sitting on the edge of the bed at 11 PM because I can't sleep answer was God might not care about me. Like what if he's not personal? Like I believe like Naomi, I believed God was powerful, but I wasn't sure that he was good. And so as I began to wrestle through these four different um, aspects of Advent, the peace and hope and joy and love of God, I began to see ways that he, not only is he good, but that he interacts with me personally to lead me to himself and to lead me to, um, I can't remember who says it. I know it's in the Psalms, but lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I wanted rest from feeling like I was walking in darkness. I wanted hope. Um, and I began to see that this real rest that I was longing for was only going to come when I was choosing to abide in, in Christ. Um, so it was, it was learning, even as I wrote, like, I need to bring this weariness or this hopelessness or this doubt right up to the throne of God and hold open hands before him and say, help my unbelief. You are the only one who can do this in me. Um, and and it was through this writing process that I was able to do that. Like it was sort of desperation and trust and hope that when I choose to dwell with God, um, yes. then he can work these things in me and he can work these things out of me. I love that you said choose because it's like an active thing. Once you choose Jesus, it's an action from there. Like your Christian walk, walking by faith is an active thing. It's something that we have to draw into him. You know, we have to actively want to seek him and learn about him and know him. And, right. and I love that you said choose, like we have to choose him because it's not, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's different for you. I just feel like in my life, it's like, if I want God, like I have to want him in a way that I'm seeking him out. Like I'm reading his word and right. choosing him just like he's chosen me. Like he's already chosen me. Like that's a thing, but like <laughs> I need, to, you know, like he's already matched with me, but um, I need to choose him in return. So I, do you want to talk any more about yeah, that? I think that you're, you're right. There's this participation in the gospel that Paul talks about. Yeah. Um, and he even writes in Philippians um, about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. And this is not working to garner a particular response from the Lord. This is not like, I'm going to choose this because I think that God will um, present things back to me if right. I choose him. It's, yeah. it's making these choices and moving in his direction out of the overflow of my belief that he will answer. Yes. And there are seasons where I have felt like, God, I'm doing all the right things and you're not doing, you're not saying anything. Like, mm -hmm. what do I do with this? What do I, what do I do with the season of life where I could check every box off the good Christians do this <laughs> list and, and still feel like I'm, I'm isolated from God. I, there was, um, there was this hope that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have named it at that point, but there was a hope that if I um, performed appropriately, <laughs> then, then God was going to respond in a specific way mm. to me. And I've had to wrestle with, is my hope in God? And that's why I draw near to him. Or is my hope in what he can give me? Because he is a good giver. He is a good yes. father. He longs to get, give good gifts. But if I'm looking at his hands for what he might do for me, rather than looking for his heart and saying, God, I want to know you in this circumstance. I want to know you. Um, I think there is a difference that there's a different motivation and there's a different response. Because if we're, if we're um, choosing to participate in our faith, in the hopes that God will be like sort of like a vending machine to us. Like I'm going to put in a nickel of prayer and a quarter of praise and worship, and then maybe a buck of community living. I'm going to really pump I, up. <laughs> then I will get these blessings and got like, God doesn't work on an exchange system the way yeah. that we do. He asks us to delight ourselves in him. And there are seasons where delighting in God looks like, I believe help my unbelief. Where else will I go? Lord, you have the words of life. Good. And then I sit and I wait on him because God is not weary. He is not 
manipulative. He is not tricky. Um, and there, like, there is, there is a glorious union that is not at risk when we don't feel him. Our, our union with God, if we, if we belong to the family of God, our union with Christ is not at risk. Um, if we are not, you know, feeling like God is responding to us or feeling like our faith is genuine, that, that union cannot be shaken by our external experiences of it. Um, and I think that was, that was sort of what prompted some of this writing project in that regard was I, I am choosing to dwell with God. My union with Christ is indisputable. Yes. And so I'm just going to press on. Like I, God is, God is going to be my perseverance. God is going to be my stick to God is going to be my hope and my anchor because I can't produce these things. Only the spirit of God in me can produce these things. And so I'm going to wait till he does it. I'm going to wait. Here I am, Lord. I am waiting for you to move in this. I love that you said, I'm going to press on. And it's like, explain the waiting here because I'm hearing waiting. I'm hearing waiting because like you are waiting on the Lord. You are waiting on the Lord. He's given you these gifts and talents and abilities that when used to serve him, whoa, they explode. Like it's awesome for God's kingdom, Mm -hmm. for God's glory, for God's gain, all the things, you know. And so when you're talking about, I'm going to press on, um, and you're waiting on the Lord, just define to us what that means about I'm, I'm moving forward in the Lord. I'm seeking him out in this time. I'm waiting on him to respond to me for the Holy spirit to give me a nudge for this or that. Like explain what that process is like. Do you mean like in the context of Advent or person, like personally what I've experienced or a little of both? I think it's in writing this book because it's like what you have here is a beautiful work of art, like for God's glory. Okay. And so in the same word that you're saying, I'm waiting on the Lord, I'm seeking his kingdom. I choose him. You're pressing on to Mm -hmm. write, to get up and write. And I, I just think people can relate to this because it's like, God has put something on my heart to do whatever fill in the Mm -hmm. blank. And I'm waiting on the Lord to open up the right door. Well, it's like, are we going to, I don't, I mean, geez, are we going to sit on the couch or drive around town or, you know what I mean? Like, when is the sign going to come up? And God does give signs. Don't get me wrong. But I just want to know in your life, um, when did that waiting phase and the pressing on phase collide to write this book? Mm. And how did that happen? Mm. That's a good question. I think my experience of waiting on the Lord and my initial experience of waiting on the Lord came, um, in, in my own marriage because my husband and I had a very difficult journey to parenthood. And so I experienced waiting on the Lord with, um, initially with my desire to become a mother, which didn't happen in my timeline or in my preferences or in any way that I would have written the story out. And so Probably this Advent book began maybe even five years ago when we were hoping to adopt our second child. We adopted our our eight-year-old daughter when she was born, um, and we had had hope of adopting again. And it was probably five, almost six years ago when we started that process. My husband and I were teaching together through an Advent series, and we were the two of us had specifically been tasked with teaching on hope and the hope of Israel and, and what it meant to the Israelites um, that there was a hope of Messiah coming. And, and so that was probably five or six years ago when I began to wrestle with, am I hoping in the Lord or am I hoping in what the Lord will give me? And, and it was a good five years of going, I don't know if I know what it means to wait or to hope in the Lord. I want to learn that hope is rooted in um, the belief in God's provision, that it's more than just wishing for a positive outcome. Um, what is biblical hope? What does it mean to lay down my expectations while I am waiting on the Lord to do a specific thing? Um, and I think as I was, as I, as I wrote through, because I started with hope, the first section is on hope. And I think as I wrote through it, I realized um probably not for the first time, but for the first time in these words, 
that hoping in Jesus requires a surrender that most of us don't plan for when we begin waiting for something. Mm. When that first spark of hope arrives, we already have an imagined ending in place. Like when we first engage with the Lord with a desire um, or a hope that we have, we like we're not hoping that God will reveal himself to us or that God will, um, uh, I don't know, like heighten our awareness of his presence. Like we typically have a very specific ending in mind. Like I hope this job is going to be the right fit. I hope this is the person that I'm going to marry. I hope this relationship can be restored. And so we're hoping for that thing to happen. And in my own life, I was hoping for another child. My expectation and hope was not to lay down my desire for a kid, but but that God would do the thing I desired. Um, God's word invites me to bring my hopes and desires to him. It's not like I was asking for a million dollars and a fleet of fancy cars. Like I was, I was waiting for a good thing, a thing that seems to be of God, a thing that could bring him much glory. And as I wrote through this series last year, I realized I don't start hoping with plans to lay it all down again. Like I start hoping because I believe God wants to bless me and give me good gifts. And so I wrestled with that. And, and I began to think about um, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Yes. This is a woman who was highly favored of God. The scriptures tell us she must've been committed to the law and to righteousness. Um, she probably had the hope of being betrothed and married to a good Jewish man who worked hard and loved the Torah and was committed to Yahweh. Like I I began to see, Hey, Mary probably had some expectations, not just for her own personal life and things that she might've been waiting for as the young Jewish girl, but also because she was an Israelite, she was waiting for the Messiah. She was hoping and waiting and longing for this redeemer to come and rescue them for the grip of Rome. But I, I don't think she was expecting to be involved in this way, right? Like a pure betrothal and marriage to a good Jewish man. And instead she got pregnant outside of wedlock, not engaged. And what did that look like to her neighbors? What did that look like to her parents? Like this is a highly favored woman. And this is the circumstance God has quote, put her in. Right. I began to ask God and wonder like, okay, I am waiting for this thing it feels like my hopes are getting dashed over and over again. Did Mary feel like that? Like, did Mary feel like her hopes were dashed because her life wasn't going, wasn't going to go the way that she might've imagined it? Um, Did Mary deal with disappointment at all? Like we like to think of her as like shrouded in this blue shimmery cloth and being like, yes, absolutely. I'm totally down for this. Like let, I I will be the one, but it had to have been terrifying. Like a young woman in this culture was not going to be celebrated for having, like she was not going to be loved on and celebrated for having this baby out of wedlock and how unbelievable to be, to be, um, now shouldered with the, the story that like an angel told me I'm going to have this baby. Like I promise I haven't been with anybody. This is, there, there are probably a lot more conflicting emotions than we get to be privy to from the story in the scriptures. Mm. But I was stopped. I know I'm kind of telling the whole story, but here we are. Um, It's so like, it's so deep. You guys, like you guys hear it when Sarah is talking, but like what you're saying, like in the writing, you go in so much deeper and like, so don't feel bad I know you're talking a lot about it, but I'm telling you guys, like, and some of this this is from it's yeah, and some of this is from the book too. So it will be, it would be like a refresher if you do happen to download it and read it. I just, I was so struck by the fact that the mother of God also had to lay down her expectations and receive something else from the Lord in place. Mm. And what she said when the angel came to her and told her everything that was going to rock her world, she said. Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be unto me according to your word. Mm. And I realized, I say realized like it was a moment in time. Let me say, and so I've been realizing mm-hmm. over the span of several years that every every interrupted hope, every um, disappointment, every dashed plan, like those are, it's not an opportunity for me to repress or deny my emotions about it. But it is an invitation for me to say, be it unto me according to your word, Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. What do you have for me in this? Mm -hmm. 
If my hope is not found in the fulfillment of every named longing I have, then where is my real hope found? It's found in the heart of the King whose love for me is sure and was proven in his birth and death and burial and resurrection and the promise that he'll come again. What a humbling, humbling prayer. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Oh my yeah, God. Cause that's not my first response. Like when no. I am waiting and I have a deep longing for something, my first response is, or my, my initial prayer is, Lord, I really want this thing. I think it would bring you a lot of glory. Let me tell you how this could bring you some glory. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Lord, this is what I want, but be it unto me according to your word. Yes. Yes. Not to us, but to your name. Absolutely. Yes. Because, yeah. okay. So there's this song. I don't know if it's by Hillsong or, you know, one of those worship bands, but they're like, uh, in worship, I think it's the ocean song. I don't know, but they're like, these are just words. Like if, if these don't mean anything, God, these are just words. Like, um, yeah. I, you know what I'm talking about? You know, that worship song. I think I know what you're talking about. If we, if we do not intend to pray them, it's just empty words coming out of our mouth. Like the, like Paul wrote in Corinthians 13. Yes. Like it's just a clanging symbol. Yes. Um, if not motivated by an, by in this case, by an earnest desire to receive from the Lord, what he has for us. Yes. And our hope is in Jesus. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. Yes. Because not because, I mean, he is going to do good. Like it, his word promises that right. when we love him, he is going to do good, but not for the specifics of our agenda. And that's a good way to put that because we tend to say, here's our agenda. It's good. Yeah. And, and God, his kindness says, no, I will tell you what is good. I am the good father. Let me define good for you. Yes. And we don't, we don't call bad good. That's not what I'm saying. Like we don't look at abuse and betrayal and disappointment or rape or it like, we don't look at these horrifying things that happen and say, oh, well, like. God says that he's working out good. Like we don't call bad things good. Like we condemn sin for what it is. Yes. We also believe that the good God will make every sad thing come untrue and that we can know the hope. We can know that hope because he came, like he came, like he initiated this, this glorious exchange by sending his son to experience what we experience, to know the heartache and the brokenness and the longing that we know so that he might be our indwelling hope. And we don't have to wonder. We don't have to wonder if Jesus um, is, is concerned for our particular emotions or experiences because he is gentle and he was lowly and he came to give of himself so that we could know this redeeming love and this indwelling hope from the father. Yes. That hope, peace, love, and joy, hope, peace, love, and joy. Those four things that you mentioned earlier are just, I wrote them down and it's like, this is who God is. Hope, Mm -hmm. peace, love, and joy, hope, peace, love, and joy. And I do pray that, I mean, we're going to do it. This is so cool. Like this is going to be so fun to have these four candles. Okay. So it starts on because we want to, you know, take action. We've heard this. It starts on November 29th. Right. It's on a Sunday, Advent 2020, and it ends on Thursday, December 24th. So walk with us. Um, are you going to do the book again this year? Like, are you going to walk through it or? Yeah. I'm going to walk through it again this year. And like I mentioned, because I wrote it according to last year's dates, Right. There are readings for the month of December. So it won't start on the 29th. It'll start on December 1st. Okay. Okay. Um, and so it would be one reading every day through the 25th. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So we're starting on December 1st um, with the reading. Um, Advent starts on Sunday, November 29th. So on right. the 1st, we'll join you. And how do we follow along? Is it on Instagram is the best way or your website? How do we connect? Instagram. Yeah. Instagram is where I primarily will be talking about it and sharing what I'm hearing as we go through it. Okay. And share your Instagram with us. Um, it's really easy to find. Yep. It's at S T sandal S A N D E L. Okay. Which someone recently told me that looks like Saint sandal, (laughs) which is kind of what I intended. 
my uh, my my maiden name starts with T, so I just did my initials. And somebody recently was like, "Oh yeah, Saint Sandal," and I was like, "No, no, not a saint." <laughs> I love how they were confident. They're like, "Oh yeah, Saint Sandal. We know yep. her. <laughs> She's a friend. <laughs> she wrote this book that I love. It's a free download." Which, by the way, okay. So tell me, this is like the last thing I'm going to ask. Besides the question we always ask everyone. But why did you make it free? Why didn't you charge for this book? I want it because like other people who are listening are women in business. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know, like, what was your heart in not making this something where people would jar- charge for it? You know, well, there, there are probably two. Um, one is how thrilled I am when I find resources and there's not a financial barrier between me and that resource. Okay. Because I have lived in seasons where even a dollar ninety nine would have been like, yeah, I can't do that this year. And so I wanted to have something that was, um, available to everyone. And then two, my hope part, like part of my ongoing hope is that, um, I'll have eventually on my website, I'll have a library of a variety of studies available. And so this was in part to build that library. Um, do I, have some other things in the works that, that I might, um, invite people to invest in. Yep. But those aren't on the front end. Um, okay. it's important to me that I have a lot of things available to everybody who wants to read them. I am so excited about hearing about this library. Okay. Sarah, <laughs> this is the, I've known you for, okay, we'll just go with 15 years. I've known you for 15 years. Like, this is so you. You're so using your gifts for God's glory in writing. And like, you're doing it. You're pressing on for the glory of God. This is awesome. (laughs) I'm so pumped. Thank you. Yes, but like anybody who reaches out and sees your Instagram and sees your website, like they're going to see that in you, that it's God's light that's shining through you to, I don't know, I want to use the word educate, but like, for other yeah. people to learn about how tangible God is. And that's what he's using you to do. It's so awesome. Like when I first found out that you wrote an Advent book, I'm like, Advent scares me. What is it? You know, and I've been following for <laughs> a long time, but you know, it's just stuff like that, that you take it and you're like, you know what? Advent is celebrating and building up anticipation for the coming of Jesus Christ. We're going to yeah. make it into I mean, you know, you got this from someone else. You didn't invent the four candles, but like, right, um, right. You know, you're like, we do four candles and then we have one big candle that's for Christ, you know, like that's so cool. So, um, we know how to connect with you. The last question I always ask our guests, um, is bringing it to God's word and asking what scripture is helping you through this season. Yeah, I have two that I'm going to direct folks to. The first one is sort of a lifelong, um, love for the whole chapter of Psalm 16, but particularly in this year, verses six through nine, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. My heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. The whole chapter has been meaningful to me since um, our experiences with infertility because I've wondered, okay, are these boundary lines in my life really good? Like has, has what the Lord done for me really good? And this reminds me that my heritage is beautiful and that when I set the Lord continually before me, then I am more aware of the reality that he is at my right hand and that I don't have to be shaken um, and that my, my flesh, my heart can dwell in him confidently. So that's Psalm 16, six through nine. But then particularly for this year, I have not been able to get out of Colossians probably since March um, when the country began responding to the pandemic. And so in Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 20, also, you know, the whole book, but um, it talks about uh, Jesus being the image of the invisible God. And then verse 17 says, he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And it goes on to describe the role of Christ and, and um, the way that God works through him on behalf of us who belong to the family of God. And I have come over and over this year as things have felt crazy and and heartbreaking and frustrating. I have called to mind again, Colossians 1, 17. He is before all things in him. All things hold together. He is yes. holding me together. He is holding me together. He is keeping me. And that's been a great comfort this year. Oh, that is so beautiful. Ooh, 
he is before word of god is sufficient it's what is it it's sufficient yes it is so sufficient it is so like that right there if someone feels like they can't hold it together right now hold it together Yeah. And you don't have to, because it is in Christ that all things are held together. You don't have to come up with holding it together. You don't have to come up with perseverance. You don't have to come up with patience because the spirit of God indwelling you is the patient one. Like I have the spirit of the second mile life in me. I have the spirit of the forgiving life in me. And so he is the root of that. Like we, we joke about the fruits of the spirit. Like, yeah, I want to have all of these fruits. And my husband said, Yes, you do. The spirit of God indwells you. So you have the fruit of his spirit indwelling you and coming out. You, you just get to agree with him on what is already true of you. Yes. Oh my goodness. What confidence in <laughs> him, all things hold together in yes. him. Like that's the key. And that's like the thing I think with it, starting this podcast too. And I'll just tell you like authentically and like for people listening too, is like, I was listening to things, um, and I'm sure on this podcast, we've said things that aren't right. And I hope that we have it. I really do. I hope that we have it. Um, but like the whole thing is like to point you back to the Bible. Yes. And I just kept hearing things that were like, oh, you know, right when I finished that sentence, we'll like hold it together. We'll hold it together in him. All things hold together. And I yeah. think that's like the biggest thing with this platform is it's like, okay, we're going to talk about how Jesus is in all things. And it's like, not how we are in all things, how we are achieving, how we are excelling, what we are doing. It's not about our job title. Like it's about in him, what he is doing, all things before him, like in him, it's all about him. And I feel like that gets dropped sometimes in like the things that are posted online. Like Mm -hmm. they, like think even myself, you know, it's like, Oh, well, God brought you that, you know, and it sounds so cliche, but it's so true. Like God brought you that God gave you a brain. God gave you arms, you know? And then like when you were talking about just that whole scripture of Colossians 1, 15 through 20, and just talking about the head of the body, the church, he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. I think I said supremacy wrong. Did I say that wrong? Supremacy. Supremacy. Thank you. I'm like, right when it came out of my mouth, I'm like, Sarah's going to know. She's going to know. She's got my back. Okay. All that to say, thank you. I thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. I'm so excited right now. Oh my goodness. I hope that you're motivated too, Sarah, but uh, people are going to download this and let's just direct everyone to your Instagram to do this download. And then your, um, your website too, that you can find through your Instagram because that's just the easiest way to do it. That's how I did it. So, um, I don't know. You rock. Is there anything else? No, this was a delight. Thank you for having me. You are a delight. (laughs) Thank you. I love you. Have a great day. And at the end of every podcast, I always pray in Jesus name that we decrease in God, you increase in our lives in Jesus name. I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you share this podcast and leave a review, it helps us out more than you know. I also want to thank Sarah Sandal for her time. Thank you for sharing what God has on your heart. I know this is something you wrote last year, but it's something that we can appreciate this year. And I can't wait to hear what God does on your heart and you who are listening on your heart as you read her book this Advent season. Let us know what God is working through you. We have an Instagram. It's called Broadcast is Love. And at Broadcast is Love, we keep it simple. But if you want to follow along on there, we usually have updates to podcasts, former podcasts, And we'll share what's going on, what's new in the community of Broadcast is Love. And I do pray you get a boost by this interview, an energized boost from the Holy Spirit to carry you through your day. And just know that God loves you. He's the ultimate father. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God is our wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. He's all four of those things. Whatever you need him to be today for you, that wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father or the prince of peace, he will be that for you. He is that for you. Thank you so much for listening. And I pray you all have a great week. To see us out, we have Pastor Dustin Woods at Grace Bible Church who will tell you all about their podcast they have. If you're listening to this, I'm sure you're listening to other podcasts. 
So listen to that. And then afterwards, we'll put it up behind a little convo from our friends at Haiti Bible Mission. This is a, how we call in news, a tease into what we'll be talking about next week. Next week, we're talking about discipleship. And we talk with my friend Sarah in Santa Rosa County. And then we'll learn more about what's happening at Haiti Bible Mission in Jeremy. Haiti, get excited. God is good and he's doing big things. Things. So here's Dustin and then Mark Stockland with Haiti Bible Mission. Hey, this is Dustin, one of the pastors at Grace Bible Church in Sebring, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to listen to Broadcast His Love with Ricky Van Stewart. I hope you also consider joining us on our podcast as well. Our hope is to encourage you, inspire you, and compel you towards a closer walk with Jesus and one another. You can find us on every platform where podcasts are offered by simply searching for Grace Bible Church Sebring. Again, this is Pastor Dustin, and I hope to get to connect with you very soon. Hey guys, Mark Stockland, CEO for Haiti Bible Mission. We serve in Jeremy, Haiti, far western side of Haiti. I want to tell you guys what we do. What we do is we empower leaders uh, to transform communities. We're all about empowering and equipping young men and women, helping them find their gifts and their callings, and then we want to see those uh, come to fruition. We want to see those dreams and plans actually take place. So we, we find young high school men and women. Uh, we build relationships with them, see what they, uh, they want to become. Uh, we have some that have become doctors, some to become pastors, some to become teachers. And so what we do is we fundraise. We get people to partner with us to help finish their schooling. And, and while they're in school uh, pursuing their dream job, their career, uh, we're teaching them money management. Uh, we're, we're putting them through discipleship classes. Uh, we're, we're teaching them skills and trades. We're giving them a job. Uh, we want them to, to learn all these things that so we're creating great moms and dads and husbands and wives and uh, creating uh, good, stable families uh, moving forward. And we want a lot of these people, too, to be able to have their own business as well. And so we have a lot of uh, these leaders that are uh, starting up their own businesses down in the communities in the, in the poverty, uh, low-income places where they were raised up from. And so that's what we're really love and one of our discipleship um, uh, process and what we do is really just modeling Jesus uh, from the Bible it, it's really just life on life it's not always classroom we do have some classroom stuff uh, but we really are just uh, trying to follow Jesus example and just life on life spending time intimate intentional time we do a lot of meal times together we walk through uh, life with people uh, getting to know their boyfriend or girlfriend and uh, just talking to them and giving them counsel and then just helping to walk through spending time in God's Word and what that looks like and so that's how kind of how we uh, do our discipleship then we also try to do the um, I do you watch I do you help you do I help you do I watch you do someone else watches. The whole goal is that that I can, we can empower, teach, and then step away and make it not about us. The next person can do it. And so really all our discipleship classes that, that are going on are really run by Haitian men and women who have been underneath my teaching who are now uh, running their own and teaching others. And it's just branching off. And it's so cool to watch God multiply these small groups and discipleship couple great things that you guys can be involved with. You guys could sponsor, partner with us, uh, sponsor a child, sponsor one of our leaders uh, to help transform these communities. We've got a lot of projects going on right now. Uh, one is that we're feeding a 1,000 people a meal a day for four years uh, in a village of Tewush. The goal is that uh, at the end of four years that that village is self-sustaining, having their own business, um, uh, their own infrastructure up there. Uh, and so that's something you guys can partner with us. The other thing is we're trying to raise 15,000 uh, to build a church up in Tewush as well. So we really need your support. We'd love to have you guys partner with us uh, financially or with prayer. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Sorry about the wind there at the end, but I think you could understand what he was saying is that they're raising money for a building project for a new church. And you can get more information, direct information, a video, an awesome video on their website, HaitiBibleMission.org. Thanks for listening. Lord willing, we'll talk to you all next week.